I'm sure it's going to work just fine. That's fine. Guanti, how are you? That's great, because that's what we all wish for, to be well, to be happy, to be uh, alive in a good way. I'm from uh, or Acoma Pueblo in New Mexico. As uh, some of you know, it's out west, you know, where uh, where I grew up in, uh, in New Mexico, partly on the homeland, which is uh, usually known as the Acoma Pueblo Reservation. And I went to school uh, at a couple of uh, Indian boarding schools, which was the history of education for indigenous people uh, here in the United States. And uh, eventually, of course, I became a writer out of, I would say, the stories, because of the stories, the oral tradition of my cultural upbringing. Many stories, which of course are uh, the way that people, all peoples actually, uh, acquire knowledge from an elder generation, generations before them. Upetani, the stories that are told and passed on. That's really our cultural uh, heritage. All peoples, really. Before writing, you know, before uh, scripted uh, language. And it was that beginning that really resulted in me becoming a, a writer. A fascination with language and the power and meaning and the vision of language. So I want to give you give you a sense of that language through my poems. And perhaps one story if we have time. I've made a few selections from uh, Woven Stone, which is uh, really a compendium of three books. A Good Journey, Going for the Rain, and Fight Back. So this is like a top 40 of older poems. Not quite that, but we'll call it that. This one is called The Boy and Coyote. For a friend, Ed Thies, met at VAH, which is the Veterans Administration Hospital, Fort Lyons, Colorado, November and December 1974. You can see the rippled sand rifts, shallow inches below the surface. I walk on the alkali sand. Willows crowd the edges of sandbanks sloping to the Arkansas River. I get lonesome for the young afternoons of a boy growing at Akama. He listens to the river, the slightest nuance of sound. Breaking thin ice from a small steel pool, I find coyote's footprints. Coyote, Tsushiki. He's always somewhere before you. He knows you will come along soon. I smile at his tracks, which are not fresh except in memory, and say a brief prayer for good luck for him and for me, and thanks. All of a sudden, and not far away, 
There are the reports of a shotgun muffled flat by salt cedar thickets. Everything halts for several moments. No sound. Even the wind holds to itself. The animal in me crouches, poised, immobile, eyes trained on the distance, waiting for motion again. The sky is wide, blue is depthless, and the animal and I wait for breaks in the horizon. Coyote's preference is for silence, broken only by the subtle wind, uncanny bird sounds, salt cedar scraping, and the desire to let that man free, to listen for the sound of motion. I spent some time in that uh, VA hospital undergoing uh, alcohol uh, treatment. Uh, it was a treatment program that they had. And I don't drink anymore, but it was during that time when I was le leading a very self-destructive life, and that was in the mid-1970s. I started one of my books actually there within that experience uh, of that uh, veterans hospital. I'll read a bit from that as well, from Sand Creek, the book's title. This is also a poem from the veterans hospital. <clears throat> 8.50 a.m., Fort Lyons, VAH. The Wisconsin horse hears the geese they wheel from the west, first the unfamiliar sounds, and then the memory recalls ancient songs. Sky is gray and thick. Sometimes it is the horizon, and the sky weighs less. The Wisconsin horse cranes his neck. The geese veer out of sight past the edge of a building. The building is not old, built in 1937, contains men broken from three American wars. Less and less the sound, and it becomes the immense sky. Two old men. I've seen this old man around. Today, as I was walking on the dike, ridge. I saw him at the edge of a marsh looking for something. I wondered what? Had he lost something? Was he expecting to find something about yesterday in the autumn dry weeds and rushes in order that he might ensure tomorrow? I can only speculate. He has never said a word that I have heard. Surely he speaks or has spoken in his, in his life, but I have never heard. I have seen you around. Was it Iowa, Cornfield, Edge, or on the outskirts of Minneapolis? It was late June, I think. You were moving through a tangle of autumn rushes taller than you. You moved so deliberately 
searching every stemmed shadow, listening to the wind tremble through the stubble. You paused at the bottom of an upslope. From my distance, the marsh was a dark, placid brooding behind you and looked and looked. What do you search for? A glint of mica? A shadow that needs no light? An echo? A bit of straw? The taste of memory? The old man's fingers dance a careful motion that has to do with knowing the forms and designs that the eyes do not see, nor even the mind, that mental acknowledgement is only a part, that in learning a language or a sound, one has to touch the motion of what color is. You have to not only see color, but you must touch it, in a sense become that color, know it, let it become part of you. I think that old man knows, I like to watch him. He pushes his steel rimmed glasses with bony knuckles back up the bridge of his nose. I call him touching man. And then one more from that series called Damn Hard. Today I remembered the good buckhorn knife I lost too. She gave it to me as a surprise one day. What's this for? I asked her. I had been drunk a couple of days before and I wondered why. Oh, just because I wanted to, she said. I have loved you so damn hard and deeply, she wrote in a last letter. The pocket knife must have cost 13 or 14 dollars, and it felt good and heavy in the hand. Damn it, I miss that feeling. Today, I told Joe, I still feel crummy. I almost went and bought one just like it at a hardware store to replace it, but it wouldn't have been the same thing, something I lost. Yeah, I know, he said. The other day we were talking, sitting in front of Building 5. I'll never get that screwed up again about a woman, Kenny said. A bit later, a woman walked by, her hips and thighs swinging. Kenny shook his head and grinned big. But you know, it's damn hard not to, he said. And knowing, we all laughed. Yeah, it sure is. And then, this is a song, which starts another section that was from... Um, a Good Journey, uh, those poems. And this one actually starts uh, f with uh, the fight back section. Hanno kutsinia, hanzi kutsinia. For the sake of the people, for the sake of the land. The songs, stories, poems, and advice will always remember my father, mother, and my people. 
We are na eho oh oh We are na eho oh eho oh oh We are na we oh na ya We are na eho oh oh We are na eho oh eho oh oh We are na we oh na ya We are ya we are ya Why na yo We are we are here, we are here, we are here, we are here, we are we are here, we are we are here, shall endure there will be victory we are we the people shall go on we shall have victory we are we 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 are we are we And then uh, last night I uh, put together a new poem, which I will dedicate to um, uh, the uh, Vermont Studio Center, because this is where it's um, being premiered. It's a series that I've started kind of, um, I guess you could say coincidentally, or I've uh, written uh, several pieces of it, but I went back over um, uh, some notes that I made and incorporated it into this particular piece. And it refers to the recent tragedy next door, uh, hopefully in a contextual way. The recent tragedy that happened on Friday, just, my gosh, you know, a couple of days ago, you know, in Connecticut, in Newtown. A poet, a storyteller, a, a writer, a philosopher must always be aware of what our lives are. And really what the purpose, of course, is of literature, which is knowledge, is to make us aware of ourselves within the context of our cultural and uh, social and political existence. We are part of all life. We are part of one another. 
The title of this is called Red Boy and Memory and Nothing But in four parts. One, she writes, Red Boy was in my Tuba City trailer once. Some things don't stay long in the mine. Maybe it wasn't Red Boy. Maybe I dreamed it. Maybe it was Red Boy and his sort of lover at the Hopi place there, Moenkopi, where they did the buffalo dance. I watched them dance around me. Then I bought a turquoise necklace from a Pueblo man and fry bread. Then it rained and it wet my face. It was nighttime. Then the Hopi got together and put a hotel there where my car was parked and I ate fry bread and the buffalo danced around me. So, Mr. Poet, what's wrong with my poetry? Why won't you tell me? Red Boy writes, Nothing is wrong with your poetry. In fact, our conversation, dialogue, is turning into a poem, eh? The blank page staring at you is not blank. It is talking to you. Tell me something, anything, everything, a lot more than that. Come on, tell me, it whispers, hollers, murmurs, with sighs and deep breath. Or let your eyes talk, and I'll watch you so I can learn, learn to speak. The blank page is mystery. Mystery? Is the blank page? Hmm. The unexplainable is complex. Who knows but the blank page? Another hmm. Hmm? Two. Red Boy writes letters, sometimes. Sometimes he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, sometimes he doesn't know what to do. Wore combat gear, just a teenager, just a kid, a kid. Semi-automatic pistol, semi-automatic rifle. Red boy remembered and remembered. Shit. Lock and load. They did. Teenager. Nothing but. So he did. Move out, Sarge said. Gruff whisper. He read New York Times. Shit. Twenty kids dead. Killed. Killed. Nothing but. Vietnam was so far away. Lock and load. So he did. So they did. Move out, Sarge said. Gruff whisper. Gruff cry. So they did. Sometimes he wrote. Sometimes he just cried. Memory is memory. Sometimes it is like yesterday. 
Red Boy remembers. Red Boy doesn't like the memory that much. I mean, it's okay, but not always the best thing because, well, because it was damp down there at the beach and the fort stone walls were dark gray, massive, huge, no one could get out. Not even the toughest Apaches, bravest ones, locked up. Red Boy visited two weeks before a friend at Huntsville prison. Shit, death place in East Texas. Shit, death place. Shit, death. There, he's gone now, too. Toughest MFR stayed there just died there. They never let him go. Red Boy and memory of Spanish Fort turned into an American hell place for Geronimo and his warriors. They wept. Red Boy said, you know, weeping, I could hear them in the stone walls somewhere inside there. I didn't want to hear them. I didn't want to listen. I pressed against the hard wall. Stone, nothing but stone. And stone doesn't say anything but the weeping, the weeping, whispering like the ocean, weeping, weeping. Red Boy said, swallowing hard, swallowing hard again. I couldn't help it. I hate the fort prison, that's why. Maybe someday you'll go there like a tourist. Three, part three. Alabama, actually called Georgia, is so far away the coast of the Gulf of Mexico and Florida that part of Florida that looks like a foot. Alabama, Alabama, just an old sweet song. Alabama, on my mind once. Red Boy was coming from that foot part. Actually called Pensacola, where there's a Spanish fortification that was turned into a prison for Apaches. Believe it or not, on the sandy beaches where Geronimo and his warriors were put, they were tough, but they cried, and some died. I don't know how long they were there. Their spirits did not tell Red Boy, although he says he could feel them and hear them weep, oh so sad, you could feel them not wanting to cry, but they did. He went to Atlanta, Georgia and met up with an old pal of his, Joe Dan from Miami, a Seminole alligator wrestler he was, and a chief too, one year or two, a muscular sort and kind of wild. He introduced Red Boy to Atlanta, 
The life of the wild city, peach street, rock and jive and fast southern talk, shit you know, urban cowboy, wild and racist, redneck, hip, white wild, and they got stopped at door of fancy hotel, dinner club, and red boy heard slur, you got a tie? Boy, a sneer too. So he looked at Joe Dan, his old pal, and winked and said to the slur and sneer doorman, Yeah, look here. Red boy took a bright red, bright purple and red neckerchief from his back pocket, folded it corner to corner, then halved it and folded it lengthwise, pulled it behind his neck, nodded it at his throat, fluffed his long hair, black hair over it, and said, There you are, sir. My tie is tied, just like we always do up the line. I hope, it, I hope you like it just fine. Gosh, that was back in 1970. I think in April or so. Have you explored much of the South by now? Four. Red Boy remembers crossing the Georgia line into Florida. One night, camped out, roadside park. And those good old white boys came by and said, What's up? Red Boy tried to pretend he wasn't phased or scared shitless or doing nothing and thought, oh shit, now what you gonna do? And he looked away from the fire he had made, was warming some soup in a saucepan. Red Boy said, just cooking soup, that's all. Yeah, some memories are good and some memories you want to forget. That one? Oh, I don't know. Next morning, I packed up and headed for Lake Okeechobee, down in the middle of Florida, and then later on into Miami to visit a new-made friend. Killed. 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 Children. Nothing but. Sometimes he just cried. Sometimes nothing but stone, nothing but stone, and stone doesn't say anything. And the weeping, the weeping, whispering like the ocean weeping. Maybe someday you'll go there like a tourist. Newtown, Connecticut. And that's my newest poem. I want to read from, from Sand Creek. As we know, and we better know, America is a beautiful country. But another thing we better know is Americans, America has a very violent history. It's one of the most violent histories in the world. From Sand Creek was written, as I said, mentioned a while ago, 
or begun to be written in Fort Lyons Administration, VA Veterans Administration Hospital. There were some graves that I saw out behind the chapel on, on base or in the hospital grounds. And they were dated like in the 1800s, 1860s, 70s, and so forth. And then one day, as diversion, I suppose, they took us patients on a um, excursion 35, 40 miles to the east to a place called Sand Creek. That was where a group of Native Americans, indigenous people, were massacred or generally called genocide. This poem addresses that. You could say it's anti-war. You could say it's for love of this land. November 29, 1864. On that cold dawn, about 600 Southern Cheyenne and Arapaho people, two-thirds of them women and children, were camped on a bend of Sand Creek in southeastern Colorado. The people were at peace. This was expressed two months before by Black Kettle, one of the principal elders of the Cheyenne in Denver, to Governor John Evans and Colonel John W. Shivington, head of the Colorado Volunteers. I want you to give all these chiefs of the soldiers here to understand that we are for peace and that we have made peace that we may not be mistaken for enemies. The Reverend Colonel Shivington and his volunteers and Fort Lyon troops numbering more than 700 heavily armed men slaughtered 105 women and children and 28 men. A U.S. flag presented by President Lincoln in 1863 to Black Kettle in Washington, D.C., flew from a pole above the Elder's Lodge on that gray dawn. The people had been assured they would be protected by the flag. By mid-1865, the Cheyenne and Arapaho people had been driven out of Colorado territory. And the poems, actually, uh, it's a one book length poem, but I'll just read uh, several, is preceded by this. This America has been a burden of steel and mad death. But look now, there are flowers and new grass and a spring wind rising from Sand Creek. a poem. It's almost inexplicable that Black Elk would say the dream ended. We know why now, and we know it did not and will not end. And the poem. Bones are no longer stark reference. We don't study horizons as necessity anymore last signs. One or two, several soldiers, swiftly, expertly, 
at her self, her generations. Ah, I, oh, Susanna, don't you cry for me. Stuck them on their hats to dry, their fingers greasy and slick. This swirl of America has a special mystique that we have been sold. But look north, west, south, east, all around. It is ours to know. The poem. Looking for Billy, I knew he wasn't anywhere nearby. Like his words, he could be anywhere. He was gone, west, south, east, anywhere. He was the shadow. Memory was his lost trail. West, then south, then east, a swirl of America in his brain. Looking for shadow, he could be anywhere. He was a young man that had come back from Vietnam. If patriotism made any sense because it was necessary, you would think they wouldn't throw anybody away. There was this colonel, the poem. Even this one, this colonel, as everyone calls him, they reject. He grew giddy with patriotism, but in his own way, he is a brand of renegade you can detect in the shadow of his face. He wonders why, of course, why they drove him here, for him a last resort, a rejection unclear to him who served them. Millionaires would reward him with solace, one would think, bedeck him with medals and admiration, but no, they cast him soul first here, a whirlpool of exiles drowning him. And then to close this from Sand Creek off, The land and black kettle took them in like lost children, and by 1876, land allotment and reservations and private property were established. The poem, they must have known, surely they must have. Black kettle met them at the open door of the plains. He swept his hand all about them, the vista of the mountains was at his shoulder. The rivers run from the sky. Stone soothes every ache. Dirt feeds us. Spirit is nutrition. Like a soul, the land was open to them. Like a child's heart, there was no paradise. But 
it would have gently and willingly and longingly given them food and air and substance for every comfort if they had only acknowledged even their smallest conceit. And to close off this series of poems from Sand Creek is this epilogue. That dream shall have a name after all, and it will not be vengeful, but wealthy with love and compassion and knowledge, and it will rise in this heart which is our America. And then to close off the reading, I shall read the last poem from Woven Stone. It's called A New Story. Again, I think it goes back to, I know, I know it goes back to uh, that time in, in the VA hospital where I was trying to, well, survive, and I'm glad I did. What, how many years ago? 74 to now. That's more than a couple of years. So it worked. A new story. I was looking for a new story. Several years ago, I was a patient at the VA hospital in Fort Lyons, Colorado. I got a message to call this woman, so I called her up. She said to me, I'm looking for an Indian. Are you an Indian? Yes, I said. Oh, good, she said. I'll explain why I'm looking for an Indian. And she explained. Every year we put on a parade in town, a Frontier Day parade. It's exciting and important, and we have a lot of participation. Yes, I said. Well, she said, our theme is Frontier, and we try to do it well. In the past, we used to make up paper mache Indians, but that was years ago. Yes, I said. And then more recently, we had some people who dressed up as Indians to make it more authentic, you understand, real people. Yes, I said. Well, she said, that didn't seem right, but we had a problem. There was a lack of Indians. Yes, I said. This year we wanted to do it right. We have looked hard and high for Indians, but there didn't seem to be any in this part of Colorado. Yes, I said. We want to make it real, you understand. Put a real Indian on a float, not just a paper mache dummy or an Anglo dressed as an Indian, but a real Indian with feathers and paint, maybe even a medicine man. Yes, I said. And then we learned the VA hospital had an Indian here. We were so happy, she said, happily. Yes, I said, there are several of us here. Oh, good, she said. Well, the next spring, I got another message at the college where I worked. I called a woman. She was so happy that I returned her call. And then she explained that 
Sir Francis Drake, the English pirate, she didn't say that, I did, was going to land on the coast of California in June again. And then she said she was looking for Indians. No, I said, no. Well, thank you very much for... Um, For, <laughs> for having me share with you. Yeah. Thank you.